welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, where we bring awareness of sustainable health in a business hustle space. Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing, business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to Alex Giorgio, who will talk about all things mold, in particular, how it affects your digestive system. Alex Alex is a registered naturopathic nutritional practitioner with successful practice in Manchester and Cheshire. He became interested in the healing power of nutrition and naturopathy after solving his own health battles whilst living in London. His approach to health acknowledges the naturopathic philosophy that the body itself has self-healing, but only once obstacles have been removed and deficiencies have been replaced. Alex focuses on identifying the underlying root cause of all has created someone's symptoms. He has worked with numerous clinically ill patients and helped to solve many mystery illnesses through his root cause approach to healing. He is a full member of the British Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine, the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council, the Association of Naturopathic Practitioners, and the General Naturopathic Council. An interesting fact about Alex is that he used to he used to be a house music DJ and still enjoys listening to dance music. He also loves long walks in the countryside with his dog. He has a mini Yorkshire terrier and is hoping to get another Yorkie soon. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, Alex. Thanks, Michaela. You're most welcome. So you used to be a DJ, huh? I did, yeah, yeah, back in the day. So uh, uh, I I used to DJ a long time ago and then I gave it up. And then uh, when I discovered my calling, I guess you could call it that, and decided to go back to college and study nutrition, I I went back to DJing to basically support my studies. So uh, so yeah, I have (laughs) quite a a long kind of history in and out with with DJing and, and house music. Yeah, it's beautiful. I absolutely love house music. I, I, I love it so much. And I think music has its own healing, hasn't it? It's kind of like what you're doing with nutrition. You did that with music. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, music is like it's, it encompasses so many uh, like, um, you know, kind of traditions and uh, the way that, that you know, we perceive music and the effect that it has on the brain. It has kind of healing powers within its within its own right. So I think you know, it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be overlooked or underrated in terms of make, you know health and making us feel good. Yeah, a hundred percent. Maybe you can make a CD for healing purposes, like a dance song, a dance CD for maybe. healing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I haven't thought about that. But that's not a bad idea. That's pretty cool. I like that. I love it. So, Alex, I've got you on here because I'm, we're going to be talking about today's topic, mold. But before we get into it, I wanted to know. What have been your key turning points in your journey to where you are today? I mean, I've read a little bit about your story, but I would absolutely love if you shared that with the audience. Sure. Cool. Well, um, so back in 2011, uh, I had uh, I had a, a kind of acrimonious relationship, should we say, and uh, it was made redundant all at the same time within the space of the same week, I think. And um, I didn't really know what to do. Like my whole life had turned upside down and I thought really long and hard about what I, I wanted to do. Like what, what, what would I enjoy doing? Because I didn't want to go back to my old job. I didn't want to work for a, a corporate anymore. Um, I was always interested in nutrition. Like I, I'd healed myself years before with my IBS through, through diet and supplements. And 
I just always had an interest in nutrition. So I thought, well, why not? <laughs> so I went back to college, studied nutritional therapy at the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London. And that's when I started DJing at the same time to support my studies. And during that time, I actually became quite ill. Um, for one reason or another, I think my genetics came into play. And it was, I think it was during my, my, second, it's my second year studying nutritional therapy that we talked about epigenetics. And this thing called MTHFR came up. And everything that they spoke about sounded relevant to me and it rang true. And so I thought, okay, well, well, I need to look at this because um, I'm, I'm ill and I'm not getting well. And there must be something that's causing, because I'm doing all the right things. I'm eating well, meditating and blah, 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 and taking all the supplements. Anyway, I did a 23andMe test and it came back with double NTHFR SNP, loads of other SNPs which are compromising um, my methylation and and that was basically the root cause of, of all my problems so uh, about three or four months into doing a protocol to restore all these snips uh suddenly my health came back i felt really well i felt really alive again all my symptoms disappeared i mean that just kind of spurred me on to go even further with nutrition and then want to really help others so uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting story that, you know, I was doing nutrition and then became unwell and then, you know, experienced it kind of firsthand again about how powerful uh, nutrition and, and looking within the body can be for one's own health. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you say that usually individuals are sick and then they start studying um, other naturopathy, nutrition, counseling, yeah. and so forth. But for you, it was you were working in a corporate role and then you started studying and then you really became sick. What, what signs and symptoms were you coming up? And if you can explain a little bit about MTFHR for someone who may have not heard a little bit about it. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so MTHFR basically stands for uh, methyl tetrahydrofolic reductase, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's basically an enzyme that converts um, folate into the active form of folate that the body can use. And folate's used for something called methylation. Um, and there's other things that, that are important and involve with methylation, but folate is one of the key um, parts of this whole cycle. And it basically switches genes on and off. It repairs DNA. Um, it makes neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Um, it has a big impact on the immune system. It makes things like carnitine, CoQ10, creatine. Uh, it's involved in detoxification. So you can see it has a lot of function. So if it's not working properly, obviously you can appreciate the impact that would have on all of those things. And especially in an area like, uh, I don't know, neurotransmitters or detoxification. So for me, the biggest issue was uh, blocked detox pathways. Uh, and that kind of manifested uh, as anxiety and depression. So obviously, the you know the detoxification is relevant to yeah, well, um, causing inflammation potentially. And I think that the knock-on effect was feeling continuously um, anxious and depressed. And you know, it just came out of nowhere. So I knew it wasn't it wasn't anything from you know, psychological. So there had to be a physiological reason and, and that was it. 
Yeah. It's interesting that you thought about it like that. Not many people would. They'd be like, oh, maybe something's wrong with me as, you know, as myself. Maybe, you know, Ooh. this anxiety is due to something that's happened. But you knew that it was more than that. And there's so many individuals out there who have this snip that just are not aware. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think everyone is doing a 23andMe test. And even if they did, they wouldn't know necessarily to look for MTHFR and what the implications are and even what to do about it. I mean, it's not to say that everyone with an MTHFR SNP will experience um, symptoms or disease, but uh, I think as you get older, there is more, there is more potential for that SNP to become affected or the gene to turn on or, or the environment to trigger uh, that, that gene to become a problem. So, yeah, it's not automatically a problem if you have the SNP, but it's something to be aware of. Yeah. And this is why it's actually key to talk to a professional like yourself or myself who are able to understand that and see what is actually happening inside of your body. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the body is so complicated. I mean, you know, there's no instruction manual for the human body. So <laughs> you, you can't you can't just uh, expect to go into a health food shop and know what to do within you know the parameters of, of your body you know without knowing what to look for and looking within it's very very difficult to 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 just guess you know so sometimes if it's more complex you do have to really go within do some functional testing uh or genetic testing and and work out what's going on and, and that that's when a professional really uh you know comes comes to the fore and, and can help with that yeah and we're so blessed that we have these tests these functional tests available to us now back in the days we may have not have this and i mean the person the signs and symptoms that they present with are absolutely key but the benefit now we have these tools that we can use like you did you got these tests done which helped you draw a whole picture together yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean i didn't just use the the 23 me test but when you put it alongside functional testing like organic acids or even blood testing, you can see where the weaknesses are. So for me, it was low folate and it was um, B12 deficiency. And, um, and, you know, you can look at things like mineral balance as well, you know, because all these things, it, it, they, they have a, a wider impact on the body. The body's not, the body doesn't work in isolated um, body systems. You know, everything ha has an impact and an influence on everything else you know you can't just isolate your genes or isolate your liver or whatever it is you know you have to consider the whole person and that's what naturopathy and, and nutrition is all about you said that well on point. You said that well on point. Look, here on the podcast, we talk a lot about success. And I mean, back in the days, your success may have been to be the best house DJ in London. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it would have been to finish off your degree. I mean, what does success look like for you now, Alex? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I moved from London to Manchester uh, four years ago and that really was the kind of, I think that was success for me because it meant that I was able to, to focus on, on my career, move away from London, which is, is quite crowded, quite chaotic, quite stressful. And moving to a quieter city then allowed me to, to really focus on my career, my, my passion, which is, which is nutrition and helping other people. And you know, it's basically allowed me to, 
to really expand and grow my business and help lots of people and seeing seeing the improvement and people's health improve through the work that I do means the world to me that for me that is is success um predominantly I mean there's there's other things as well you know like having a better quality of life which I do here having more disposable income to do pleasurable things but money isn't the be all and end all for me that isn't what I'm about I'm not doing my work to make money it's in my work is is my is my calling my passion and the money comes because of the passion for my work if you see what I mean yeah I love that 100% and it's funny how you say that success is moving out of London I myself have lived in London before so I know exactly what you're talking about I mean just living in London for two months would definitely dirty any of your dreams your MTFHR your comps your pimp everything would be dirty (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) maybe that was the problem I think I just needed to to get away from London I think I I always felt like when I was ill I said I always need to I always thought I need to escape from London and then I'll get well you know, I need to live mm-hmm. by by the sea or somewhere cleaner and I mean luckily I was able to to rectify things before even moving from London but I think I don't think London helped <laughs> put it that way mm-hmm. I mean don't get me wrong absolutely beautiful city but to live in probably not the healthiest in a sense, I guess, um, lifestyle and things like that. So it's beautiful what you said about what success is. I love that. I love that, you know, and this is the type of practitioners that individuals want to see who see success as seeing success in their patients and loving their work and always wanting to succeed. I love that. So let's talk about today's topic. I'm so, I'm so, so pumped and, and excited for this because it's all about mold. Um, and it was interesting because before I was coming on, I was like, I love mold, but it's not that I love mold. I love the topic. <laughs> <laughs> you won't find, you won't find someone who loves mold, but I love the topic. And I understand that you have some experience with mold in particular, living in a water damaged building. Can you explain to us what mold is and why it is such a big topic at the moment and why why practitioners may be talking to patients like um the audience more about mold sure yeah i mean um so first off i mean i didn't realize how problematic and toxic mold is until uh, two and a half years ago when i moved into my current apartment and uh when i bought the apartment the the bathroom was was damp um there was a musty smell i didn't really think too much of it i just thought well you know Mold is everywhere. Buildings get damp, especially in the UK, because we have so much rain and it's very humid. And uh, didn't think anything of it. So two or three months in, moving in, and uh, two, three months afterwards, uh, suddenly started feeling fatigued, uh, brain fog, um, low mood, slightly increased anxiety. And I thought, well, this is strange. This is kind of what I had back in London years ago. But I thought, well, I'm doing all the right things. I'm not, you know, I'm not, not I'm not living in a, in a in a dirty city, but unbeknown to me, it was my immediate environment, the the apartment, the mold, that was causing all these issues. And it was only actually being at a seminar and discussing mold and and, and its and its toxic effects on the body that suddenly I put two and two together and I thought, okay, well, this is obvious. It's the mold that's causing these issues. So um, anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, I remediated and did some some protocols to eliminate the mold from 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 my body. Um, 
and it's kind of been a, a bit of an ongoing battle with the moulds because I'm not sure if it's been fully uh, addressed within the apartment and, and that's one of the challenges that we'll, we'll go on to speak about about mould is it's not easy just to get rid of it once it's there. It, 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 so if you catch it soon, soon enough, and you get rid of it and you're not in the environment, then you can deal with it quite quickly. But um, but it can be challenging. It can be very, very challenging. It's it's uh, it's tenacious. Yeah. So did you actually see, like, you know, how they talk about those black spores on your walls or anything like that? Or was it non, um, was it yeah. hidden? Well, it was hidden in the sense that it was behind the wall in the bathroom. So what happened is the apartment on the top floor had had a leak for oh, maybe a few weeks or a few months, we're not sure, but the water had been coming down through the internal pipes, through the wall, behind the wall, and basically we are on the ground floor. So our, our apartment was basically, well, the, the bath, underneath the bath was flooding with water. So we had this continuous um, water coming down, permeating into our bathroom, but we didn't see it because it was, it was behind it. Um, walls and behind bath panels yeah. but then when we took everything away there was black mold everywhere and we even had mushrooms growing underneath the bath in wow like it, yeah <laughs> in in the underlay of the floor I mean it was awful I mean it stank as well I mean you can't imagine the smell I mean it was bad anyway from even behind the wall but when you took everything away it was it was really bad like you had to have a gas mask on <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, us as naturopaths, we believe that, you know, our our herbs, our, um, you know, what we need is in our backyard. Well, yours was, your your medicine mushrooms were growing in your in your bathtub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we had like a mould factory, a mould farm in the yeah. bathroom. We literally, it was, yeah. it was, it was horrendous, you know. So we, we, we cleared up and we remediated. We got, um, uh, firm into to, yep. to chemically treat the mold um, but the problem is when you when you treat mold and when you clean it you have to consider the spores and the spore fragments because mold is is basically what we when we talk about mold that's the kind of like the black stuff or it can be purple or pink or yellow it can be lots of different colors but that's the visible stuff that you see but mold also produces spores which are if you think of the flower, you think of a dandelion, when you blow a dandelion and it releases all those, um, what do you call them? <laughs> not, not spores, are they? But the, 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 the like seeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that's what mold does. It releases all those spores into the environment. And when it, when it dies, when, when the mold dies, it then produces spore fragments, which are minute particles of, of spores, which are, uh, um, well, invisible to the naked eye, but a much much smaller than a spore and can get deeper into the lungs and uh, cause cause you know more problems um, inside the body. And then you've also got the mycotoxins, which not every mold produces, but under certain conditions, mold produces mycotoxins, which are the, the toxic chemicals that, that it produces to protect itself. So if mold is surrounded by lots of competing molds or bacteria, in the environment, it will produce more mycotoxins as a way of defense. So if you ever look at, uh, if you ever look at mold on a piece of food, like a, a stale bread, you see the mold and then you see this ring around it. Well, that's the mycotoxins because nothing can grow around that because it's producing toxic chemicals to protect itself. 
Yeah, it just does. It just wants to stay alive as long as possible, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just doing its job. You know, mold is was put on this earth to degrade um, everything. <laughs> so whether whether that's the human body, you know, as it enters the body, or whether it's a piece of wood or a piece of cardboard, it's it, it's its job is to is to to break down things. You know, it's it's the the undertaker of Mother Nature. Love how you put that. It's made there to break down everything, including the human body, if you put it like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge topic, mold, and I know we're only going to dive into a little bit of it in today's podcast. But I mean, what are signs and symptoms that we usually wouldn't think it was related to mold? So, what would be some normal signs and symptoms that we know are mold, but then some that maybe we might be like, oh, we didn't know that was caused by mold? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there are so many signs and symptoms that mould can create, but I think the two overriding ones that I would pick out as being um, very common with, with everyone that has mould issues is a feeling of anxiety or overwhelm. So I think that means different things to different people, but it could mean a sense of uneasiness, um, a sense of impending doom, um, just a feeling of everything's just difficult and uh yeah everything's kind of like a, a problem and that kind of thing so it, it could just mean out out and outright fear but it, it you know it can manifest in different ways and then the other thing would be fatigue um chronic fatigue brain fog those would be the you know, kind of like you you can't really separate the two but it would be brain fog or fatigue yeah, those would yeah. be the two overriding ones and then there'd be lots of other ones depending on whether somebody was having an allergic type response to mold from the spores or whether it was more of a mycotoxic uh, response, which is the, the chemicals that the mold produces. And I mean, if it's mycotoxins, they can produce all sorts of things. I mean, it could affect the cardiovascular system. So you could end up with palpitations. Um, you could end up with um, a, a shallow breathing, um, I mean, obviously, I've seen people passing out, having blackouts. Um, neurologically, you know, you can experience things like dizziness, vertigo, um, depression, obviously brain fog we've spoken about. Um, and then if you've got the, the allergic type response, then it would be things like asthma, COPD, um, you yeah, the breathing issues. Sinusitis is a very common one. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you could go on and on. You could... We could speak all day about signs and symptoms. I mean, there's there's no end. Yeah, it, it just literally links to every single part of your body. So mm. did you test yourself? And is testing a big part of understanding if you have been exposed to mold or if you currently are? Well, okay, testing is is a, is a big subject and we're still understanding and learning about testing because there isn't a perfect test for mold. So I, I would use a VCS test uh, as a first line kind of test to assess whether somebody may have a mold, mold issue or a biotoxin issue. Um, so this is actually a, a visual test. So it's a visual contrast sensitivity test. So you can do this online at vcstest.com and you're basically looking at some dots on the screen. So it's measuring how much of an impact mycotoxins is having neurologically so if we can see that there's an issue there if you fail that test there's a very high probability that you you may be suffering with um with a mold biotoxin 
mycotoxin issue. Um, but if you wanted to kind of get deeper into the type of mycotoxins that you know are causing these issues, then we'd need to look at uh, urine testing or blood testing to look at the the actual um, mycotoxins themselves. So we can't look at the mold. We can't actually identify mold within the human body, but we can see that if there's mycotoxins being produced either colon by colonization or through breathing them in or absorbing them somehow in the in the environment, we can see that through um, through a urine test yeah. or a blood test. Yeah, it's so interesting that testing question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I think uh, you know some people can't afford the testing, and, I, and then I would use the VCS test, and uh, we could even use a, a questionnaire as well. You know, if somebody scored a certain uh, percentage on, on a questionnaire, which is more obviously subjective, but you you know when you piece all these things together and you look at the signs and symptoms especially if somebody knows they've lived they've been living in mold mm-hmm. then you know we can just go ahead and start treating you know we don't have to spend the money on on confirming what we kind of already suspect and yeah and to be honest I, i've never done a urine test that hasn't come back positive because i'm i'm 99 certain before i spend that money that that we're going to have a, a positive result yeah no you're right you're right like that 100 especially if individuals actually know that they have mold and they've been exposed mm. to it it may not even be now it may be years ago and it can still impact you is that right yeah it can because the toxins are uh lip- um, lipophilic so they store in the tissues and the fat cells and the body does not want to uh necessarily release those toxins unless somebody has a good detoxification capacity so somebody that has been suffering with with mold for you know long term even if they're out the environment because it can lead to detoxification issues and chronic fatigue that person may have compromised detox pathways and uh, so the body stores onto those toxins and especially you know somebody might have a colonization of mold you're not going to get rid of the problem because the mold is actually within the body you can't test for it but you can kind of guess sometimes if, if there's colonization colonization mm. because of things like sinusitis or ibs you know yeah. that would be that would be a, a cause yeah beautiful and in regards to ibs we can you go a little bit more detail with to me in regards to ibs itself and is there a link with mold and ibs absolutely yeah so there's kind of it's a multifactorial approach to mm. uh I- ibs there's a few few reasons why somebody may have digestive issues if they've been subjected to mold um i mean one of the things that we you need to consider is that mold can deplete hydrochloric acid and um and bile so so basically if somebody is low on on hydrochloric acid which is stomach acids it means that they're more susceptible to pathogens and not being able to break down food properly so then you run the risk of parasites or um, yeast or bacteria entering the body because you don't have that first line defense so that's one one reason um obviously if you don't have the stomach acid and you can't break down foods efficiently then that's a problem in itself because it can cause malabsorption bloating gas um fermentation which then can, could create SIBO potentially. 
So that, that's, that's one uh, possibility. Then you have the gallbladder, the bile issue, because mycotoxins are quite sticky in nature and they clog up the bile and the bile ducts. And then you have gallbladder dysfunction potentially. So then you can't digest your fats properly. So again, you know, you have this, this issue going on that, you know, gallbladder insufficiency, hydrochloric acid insufficiency. I mean, that is a recipe for IBS in itself. So um, that, that would be one very common issue I see. Um, other issues would be, uh, I think actually that's, that's probably, that would probably be the main ones, to mm. be honest. And that would just cause a recipe for bloating. I mean, individuals walk around being like, oh, I'm bloated. And you wouldn't really make a link in regards to I'm bloated because I've been exposed to mold. But there is a link there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it may not be the mold itself causing the bloating. I mean, it could be, but you have to think about mold as an antibiotic because obviously everyone knows penicillin is derived from, from penicillin, which is a type of mold, which is very common um, in the environment, in our, in our buildings, you know, especially if there's been water damage. So if you have penicillin in, in, the, in the gut, then it's going to kill good bacteria. You know, that, that's what its job is. You know, that's why we have antibiotics. So that in itself you know, is one, one angle. You know, the, 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 the bacterial balance that you know, can cause... Uh, bloating because you don't have that that proper commensal bacteria to to break down foods and create a, you know a symbiotic environment within the gut. So then you you know you can uh, obviously you're not breaking down foods very well. You have um, leaky gut potentially as well because you know you don't have that that barrier there. You know the, those mycotoxins do actually damage the intestinal lining and cause permeability, which can then uh, could then go on to cause food intolerances. So there, there's so many ways that, that it can affect the gut and then result in all these symptoms. Yeah. And I love that you said about the antibiotics. And I mean, we all know, like research even states that one course of antibiotics takes, what, seven, eight years for your body gut microbe to go into balance. So with mold, it's kind of like you're being exposed to antibiotics at any given time that you, if you're mm. living in that. So I love that link that you made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, who would want to have, uh, you know, constant influx of antibiotics if, if they could help it? So that, that's basically what can happen. Yeah, yeah. And it just destroys our gut microbe. And our gut microbe is just key for survival, for optimal health. And it just goes in a circle, in a circle. And that's like when I asked you, what are the signs and symptoms of being exposed to mold? It's kind of like, do we go direct, indirect? It literally affects every single cell of our body. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the gut, I mean, the small intestine you know, is where we have uh, the, the immune system, you know, predominantly so much of our immune system is there. So if you have that uh, you know, negative interaction between um, host immune cells and, and then mycotoxins, I mean, that sets you up for, you know, immune imbalances and autoimmunity potentially. So it's a big, big issue. Yeah, it's definitely a big issue. I wanted to ask you a question that I saw you talk about, and I wanted, if possible, that you can expand a bit on it. It was in regards to the link between EMFs and mold. Um, what What is the link there? So th there was a study conducted a couple of years ago where 
in in vitro, so in, in a clinical, um, in a lab setting, they, they took some mold and cultured it. And then when they exposed it to radiation from mobile phones and, and I think uh, Wi-Fi, the mold grew 600 times more than when it wasn't subjected to EMF. And it also produced more toxins, so mycotoxins and other compounds to protect itself because it obviously felt uh, a threat from from these EMFs. So can you imagine, like, obviously we're bombarded with EMFs in the environment. We've got 5G rolling out. You know, people are constantly exposed to Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and God knows what else, you know. So if you have that, you know, compounding issue with EMF and mycotoxins, it's just amplifying the already um, potentially toxic effect of that mold. You said, can you imagine? I don't want to imagine. That sounds... No. <laughs> that sounds, sounds horrific. It sounds absolutely crazy because I think about it and I go, okay, I'm at home. There's EMFs. Who knows? There may be mold, there may not. I go to the shopping centre. There's EMFs. There may be mold. Literally everywhere that we step into these days, there's a possibility of both of those that we're putting our body and being exposed to it, which is just crazy. And that it, and then the EMFs multiply the mold is even crazier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you obviously we can't see these things. We can't see microtoxins. We can't see EMF, um, but we know it's there because, well, you know, we can test for it. We just can't see it. You know, so mm. um, it, it's it's. Uh, it's quite insidious because it's something so so toxic and we can't even see it. Yeah. Do you think that's why maybe a lot of us don't take it that seriously because we're unable to see it? I think that's an element to it. Um, but then, you know, look at a virus. We can't see a virus, but we've shut the whole world down based on something that we can't see. Um, so maybe, but I think the, the main thing is really um, education and we've not really considered mould to be particularly harmful or a threat. And I think really, my personally, that, that the, the increase in EMF exposure throughout the last 10, 20 years has probably created a problem in terms of increased mycotoxins and increased mold because, you know, you've got this EMF threat, which no one's really speaking about. But I don't think mold was such an issue um, years ago because we never really we never heard about it it's only in the last even the last few years that people have started speaking about mold and its negative impact on health i mean we didn't have the testing that we we do now so maybe that's an, another thing um but i think it's just lack of awareness and and lack of education but but we know that mold um or mycotoxins are classed as as a as a class one um industrial hazard in the same category as asbestos and i think if you say it like that uh people maybe <laughs> might might take it a bit more seriously and another thing that I, I was particularly gobsmacked when i when i read this was that mycotoxins are used as biological weapons so certain certain mycotoxins so the trichothecenes uh which are very very toxic were used in the gulf war and they're used as as, as biological weapons as warfare i mean it doesn't get much more toxic than that. That is crazy. And imagine those poor countries that were exposed to it. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's no smell. You can't see it. Um, it's insidious. 
That's all I can say. Yeah. And when you put it like that, I think some people might be like, okay, wow, it's not just a little bit of mold. It's not just a little bit of this. It's actual toxins that were used to kill people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mold isn't all bad. It, it, mold in, in nature is doing its job. It's, it's not harmful because it's not surrounded by things that it's, you know, that it shouldn't be, you know, in nature, it's meant to be there. It's meant to be in balance. And it's only when mold is out of balance, i.e. when it's not in its, in its natural environment, when it's in a, in a building and it's exposed to EMF and bacteria and other chemicals. And that's when it becomes a problem because it, it's then producing all these toxic metabolites, you know, VOCs, aldehydes, um, bacterial endotoxins also become a problem microtoxins vocs so yeah you know that's this it's very different we can't think of mold always as the bad guy it's 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 just bad under certain conditions yeah and our body is also designed to remove i mean we have amazing detox systems in our body and it's designed mm. to remove anything that externally that we're exposed to that we're not supposed to be exposed to to an extent so can you go a little bit about how our body where it goes wrong in regards to someone, for example, who can remove that mold from their body and that toxicity and the other person who may not be able to as much? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we don't know for sure why some people are more um, affected by mold. You know, I, I work with clients that are very sick from mold and they could be in a family living in the same house and nobody else is affected. And you kind of have to think, well, why is that? And I mean, the most probably the, the most feasible explanation is genetics. Um, so there, there's a, a gene, the DLAHR gene, which in, in tests, you know, they've, they've looked at this gene and most of the people that have mold toxicity have a SNP on this gene. So we think, to the best of our knowledge, that it's because of that gene, but it's not you know, 100% proven. Um, I think there's also probably some other genes involved, but also, you know, your ability to detox and other things that are going on within the body, i.e., you know, other physiological stresses on that body. You know, is there is there psychological stress? Is there other um, detoxification or toxic assaults on the body coming from the environment or uh, coming from the diet, for instance? Um, you know, is, is, is there, is, is there something else that's impacting the body that's, that's slowing down the ability to metabolize those toxins? And, and that can be for a number of reasons, you know, that, like we've just spoken about, but so that's right. Really working with the client, understanding the client and assessing the person is really important to understand where their weaknesses might be. And then we can support the, the body to try and deal with those toxins yeah. Um, more efficiently and unfortunately those individuals that you just mentioned they're seen as oh you know toughen up someone in their family might say oh toughen up you're all right why are you fatigued i'm all good but it's those individuals yeah. that are you know that unfortunately have these symptoms and they believe that there's something wrong with them and this is what's always good to go and see a healthcare practitioner an alternative health practitioner or something along those lines to look into your history, to look into what is happening. So there's answers, you know, these individuals might find answers. And I'm pretty sure you've had this happen to you a lot of time. They're like, 
oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I finally have an answer as to mm. why dot, 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 you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You know, some, some people don't get the sympathy or the empathy from, from their family because they, they don't understand it and they're not aware that mold is the issue. So there is that kind of lack of awareness, lack of understanding that, that does impact um, certain people. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, working with that person and, and educating them, then they can obviously then educate their, their family members and, and make them understand mm. um, that it, it's, it's not a psychological thing. They do have something, you know, physiologically going on that, that, that's impacting their health. And mold is really a root cause of so many things. And I think up until the point where uh, I certainly I realized that mold was was a root cause it was, you know, it was addressing things like the gut or it was addressing fatigue by, you know, looking at the thyroid or looking at B vitamins and doing all these things because, you know, all these things were out of balance and then not really realizing that it was mold that was causing all these things to be out of balance. So, yeah, I think what is, is if you can really always get to the root cause, then you can solve the problem. I think just addressing nutrient deficiencies or just addressing gut symptoms is is not really always um, impactful. Mm, mm, I love that. So an audience might be listening right now and be like, oh, my gosh, I think I have been exposed to mould or I currently am or everything that you've spoken about kind of rings about. What would you say would be some practical tips for them to incorporate if they believe they're being exposed to mould? Well, I think you really, if you're sure you've been exposed to mould, like you can see the mould or you can smell the mould, then you need to think about how you're going to address that environment. So if you're a tenant and you have the ability to move, um, then that's probably what I'd recommend because remediation of mould is actually quite a complex subject. And I don't think most landlords would have the understanding or be willing to spend the money to remediate properly. So I would just get out of the environment as soon as I could. If somebody owned their property, then I would look at remediation possibilities and um, look at the cost of doing that versus moving out. So if it was, you know, a small job that, that you know, maybe required, uh, uh, you, know, a, you know, a one-day treatment or, or something quite moderate, then, you know, it would probably be worth remediating. If it was, for example, uh, I don't know, a whole floor that was covered in mould and you'd had a flood and, you know, it was a big job, you know, maybe the whole roof had gone mouldy, then, you you know, you might want to think about is, is it worth remediating or should you just vacate and buy somewhere else? Or if you have the option to just move out somewhere else, then, then you could do that and, and then, you know, consider your options. So I think really uh, avoidance is the priority. So if you can avoid the mould by moving away from the source, then you could just do that and get well, potentially, you know, just by avoidance, uh, mm. you, you, could, you could potentially solve the problem. Some people will need that extra um, input by treating the body even after they've um, left the environment. So a good trick actually is if, if, you, are, if you think you're exposed to mould and you go away on holiday, for example, or you go away from, from your, your, your place where you live 
for a few days and you feel much better, then that's a sign that uh, you you can heal from mold if you're away from the environment. You know, if you, if you know you're you're subject to the mold and you still feel bad when you moved it when you've when you're away from the property, then that's going to require a bit more input probably, and it might take a bit longer to to get well. Mm-hmm. That'll be hard to judge because a lot of people, especially here after being in lockdown, they'll straight away get better as soon as they step out of home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, the, the, the main things I would kind of look out for in terms of signs and symptoms would be if your brain fog lifts or if your energy increases or your mood improves when, when you're away from where you live, or it could be from where you work or even your car. <laughs> yeah. we, we haven't discussed that, but, but cars are a big one um, and workplaces. I mean, that, that's a bit harder to, to, uh, to address because uh, mm. you, know, you have to you have to prove that it's coming from somewhere within your work environment. <laughs> yeah, and then even schools, and, and schools as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's exactly. just it's crazy. And I think a lot of people may be a bit more aware because if the mold is actually in their home, and like here in Australia, we've been made to work from home. If things actually got worse during this time, maybe there might be mold in your home. Yeah, that, that's actually was speaking about that the other day with somebody. And yeah. I think I've seen a lot more mold cases recently. And I, I do think there has to be something in that because people are spending more time at home, especially now coming into winter. There isn't so much airflow. People are closing the windows and the way buildings are constructed as well nowadays. I didn't mention this, but another reason that we see increased mold um, it's especially in modern buildings people think mold is always in old buildings but it's actually becoming more of an issue in in modern buildings because they're made to be airtight so there's no airflow which means you get increased humidity uh, um, because there's nowhere for the air to escape and when you have humidity above 50 or 60 percent depends on the mold uh, then you have a high risk of mold growth so you don't have to have a water intrusion or a water leak all you need is humidity and dust and suddenly you have a mold problem potentially yeah and it's so good um the other day i actually bought myself a little uh, what are they? i don't even know what they call it's like a dehumidifier no it's a, it's a meter that measures how much humidity um, you have in your house it's a hygrometer there you go <laughs> <laughs> I bought I've got one, one as well. It's not my area. <laughs> yeah, I bought one of them, and I was so surprised. At one stage, well, it's been in the twenties today, which was amazing. But the other day, it hit about fifty-eight percent, and it was really, okay. really humid outside, and just really hot, and not that nice. And then I put on the aircon, um, the aircon, and it pushed it right down, which was uh, amazing. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah. I know uh, talking about humidifiers, is that something that individuals can buy or air filters that can assist with that issue? There is, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, dehumidifiers are a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, any kind of ventilation system where you're, you're, you're able to control the moisture and the humidity is, is a good idea. Uh, you can buy air purifiers, uh, but you do have to spend money on a good air purifier because mycotoxins are i think point, yeah they're like 0.002 microns and much much smaller than a spore and the hepa filters that you get in an air purifier only go down to spore level not to 
mycotoxin level. Mm. So you have to go a step further and get, I think they're called um, hyperhepa filters, which can, can capture mycotoxins. So, so they're the only ones that, that can really kind of um, realistically clean the air. Uh, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not a substitute for remediation, but it, it, it can definitely help. And yeah, dehumidifiers, yeah, it can yeah. be a good option. Yeah, I love that. Another thing that I wanted to ask also is in regards to, I've seen you talk a lot about an anti-mold diet. What would that kind of look like, just an outline of that? Uh, so an anti-mold diet is, um, overall, it's very similar to a paleo-style diet. So it includes healthy fats, um, organic pastured meats and fish, and wild-caught fish. It would be um vegetables um fruits potentially depends on on how sick the person is mm. um and some starchy vegetables would be okay for most people but again we want to basically reduce sugar um not so much starch but but sugars so refined sugar um and depending on on the on the client um, we may need to reduce starch and and, and fruits as well but that mm. that's obviously case dependent mm. and avoiding grains as much as possible because grains because of the way they're stored have a high prevalence of mycotoxins because they're normally stored in in these humid environments where there isn't much airflow and they basically create the conditions for mold to produce mycotoxins and and these chemicals these mycotoxins they don't just they're not just wa- they don't just wash off or you can't cook them away they 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 stay in in that food so uh this is the problem so you have to kind of be careful with with grains and limit grains as much as possible so um so it does basically boil down to um almost like a like an autoimmune paleo diet where it's basically meats, fish, mm. vegetables, and healthy fats. Yeah, it those, even those sounds like a SIBO things. diet, which is quite interesting because mold can cause SIBO, and a SIBO yeah. diet is similar to the anti-mold diet. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And, and I mean, we could talk about so much even mold in foods. I mean, even your everyday coffee that you're having may be making you sick, right? It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean... I, I yeah, there's so many foods that you wouldn't think about, but but coffee's one of them, chocolate's another one, um, all the good things. <laughs> you know, so and I don't think, you know, I don't think this is a problem for the majority of people. I think yeah. you know, unless you're sick from mold um and and you have mycotoxin um sickness, I don't think foods pose a problem for most mm. people. They're not gonna get ill from from having those foods on a you know, on a moderate basis. But but if you're already sick from, from mold and mycotoxins, by adding more toxins and chemicals from mold into the body is not going to be helpful. Yeah, it's like a stack-on effect. And this is why it's key to understand where you're at, where you're going. So yeah. second last question before I let you go, I could just keep going on with questions because this topic just fascinates <laughs> me. And I'm pretty sure my audience is like, keep asking more, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In regards to, so what is your secret to mold toxicity prevention? I know you said removing yourself out of the place, but is there anything else? Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a couple of other things. So, so making sure your environment is clean. So making sure that you don't have a dusty environment. Um, so that could mean decluttering, uh, regular cleaning, 
because anytime you have a source of humidity and dust, mold has the potential to replicate. Um, so all it needs is, is the dust. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, if, it, if it's water-damaged building, then that's another issue. But just kind of a, a regular place that doesn't have any water damage, just cleaning regularly. Uh, ventilation, so making sure that you, uh, yeah, you have humidity below 50% or, or around about 50%, ideally, you know, below 60%, um, you know, as, as a kind of a very minimum. But, uh, but those would be the main things. And, you know, you could invest in air purifier as well if you think that there is a mold problem. So, so really humidity and cleanliness would be the main things to avoid, to avoid a problem. I mean, you can't prevent, you know, something like a water leak or a roof leaking. I mean, yes, you can ensure that the roof is sound and you're not potentially going to run into problems, but sometimes the unexpected can happen. You know, a leak can happen from the, the apartment above or a water pipe can burst. So you can't avoid everything. Mm, it's so interesting. I love that. And I love the fact that you you said that you, ca you can't avoid it. It's going to happen sometimes and things that you can put into place for prevention are absolutely amazing. I love that. So look, to, to finish off, I ask all my guests, as this is the Natural Health Podcast, what is your best kept natural health hack that you do and you want to share with us? So uh, there's a few things, obviously, because I, uh, I think being in this um, field, you kind of we do it all. Things, but <laughs> we do it all. So I mean, I think uh, in terms of like the mold and just generally kind of staying healthy and and keeping any issues at bay in terms of well, in terms of everything, but you know, especially mold um, would be infrared sauna. Uh, it would be the PEMF mat, which I've actually just recently started using. Um, so I don't know if you've, you've heard of, of PEMF. So it's, it's pulsed electromagnetic frequencies, which is nice. quite different to EMF. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds similar, but it's Is that it's similar to different. the TNS? Tense? Uh, I don't the machine know. that sends off? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe. What, what is that exactly? It sends out electro... Uh, um, currents through your body you put it on like on your shoulder or on your knee and it's um it's like an yeah it's tns ah uh, okay yeah, yeah yeah i think it's it's well it's similar because every, every all, our, all our bodies run on electrical yeah. frequencies but but this is um, a certain type of, of frequency um but yeah quite different to what we're exposed to from, yeah. from cellular radiation but um it basically acts as a as an as an input to stimulate the cells yes. to work better. So it enables the cells to move more freely, um, to function better. So when you look under the microscope of some of a cell that's been exposed to um, PEMF (PEMF), you see the cells start to work better, and you notice when you use the map that your energy increases, you have better mental clarity and your mood improves. I mean, it has quite a, a significant effect. Yeah. I mean, all, all you're doing is just lying down on this mat, but it's... So do you it's, have to plug it same. in? So you plug it in and you lay on it? Do you don't have to put anything you on plug, yourself? No, no, you just plug it in. You just lie with your clothes on because the frequencies um, permeate through yep. the clothes. And you can have... Um, you, so it, it warms up as well. So you can have... Um, my, my particular one has... Um, red light and also heat as well and it oh, has and red light crystals Amazing. and red light so it has these crystals it has tourmaline 
uh, charcoal and jade, which sends, uh, I mean, I don't quite understand it all, but it, but it works really well and I feel great for doing it. So I, I can, I mean, I can meditate on the, on the map, um, or I can do emails on the map. On my phone <laughs> you can do anything on the map. <laughs> so you, you can do it all. Um, so that's been a, a revelation recently. I, I've seen my energy levels just like increase and my mood increase. So I'm, I'm loving that at the moment. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. That's awesome. I have to definitely look into it. And I mean, yeah. listen, and the red light is just another even topic that we can even talk about. So including yeah. that in your mat, is just, that's amazing. Like I really have to look yeah. into that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, I mean, there's, there's loads of different um, brands out there, but uh, yeah, mine's called the Magic Map. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I love it. It's kind of like it Aladdin. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to fly yeah. out of this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. I really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It. Thank you for having me, Mihaela. You're most welcome. Thank you for joining us at the Natural Podcast. And remember, the missing link between failure and success is your health. <laughs>